This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another very exciting, spooky, and special mini episode of 28 Days Later. I am your host, Sophie, joined as always by my amazing co-host and partner in crime and little sister, Hannah. How's it going, Hannah? Uh, I'm hanging in there over here. Um, Do you want to tell the listeners what uh, what what we're going what we're dealing with this afternoon? <laughs> well, as some people will remember, I just got two kittens, and they were being very loud and obnoxious last time we tried to record. And it turns out that they're they're keeping up that tradition right now. Um, and I was we just started the episode the first time, and my one cat <laughs> Hanks just went ahead and bit straight through my headphones and completely ruined my headphones. Well, good thing you had a spare pair. (laughs) So here we are, take two. Here we are, we're doing it again. I'm going to tell this story supernatural as though Hannah didn't just hear it, although she didn't get to hear the end. Um, I used to be on a podcast occasionally, and when I was new to this particular show, I would get really nervous because they were all in a really good rhythm, and I felt like they were very professional, and I would get super, super anxious. And there was an occasion where I was at our dad and stepmom's house recording when our uh, dearly departed cat, Rufy, she just took a little tumble down the stairs. She was totally fine, (laughs) but I was recording in this, like, big empty living room. So when she went down the stairs, it was like, thunk, 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 and like, everyone on the podcast was like, did a baby just die? I was like, no, 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 it's the, like, I got up and she was fine. Um, But listen, all I'm saying is I'm no stranger to cats not behaving during podcast recording. I think really cats are just sort of little divas and they don't like it when you're doing other stuff. Like they don't want you to pay attention to them directly. That makes them mad, but they also don't want you to do stuff that takes all your attention. Um, so I get it. Yeah. It's like, they just want to be the focus of all of the attention at all times, but they don't want you to know that. Exactly. I think that is a perfect way to put it. And as um, I say, they're kittens right now, so they're still just very small and very dumb and don't understand. I'm trying to train them a little bit, but they're so little, it's hard. Yeah, they're still babies. They'll get there. Yeah. Um, but still, we soldier on, and we're back. Folks might remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about one of Hannah's favorite uh, movies to watch during spooky season. We talked about When Good Ghouls Go Bad. And I was really struggling to figure out what movie I might want to do. And then um, I stumbled upon it completely by accident in that I was having a really hard day last week. I'm trying to watch 31 movies in 31 days during October, 31 horror movies. Um, And so I was having a bad day, but I didn't really want to watch... My my purview of movies that felt acceptable was very narrow. I was like, I want to watch something spooky... But I don't want it to be super violent or dark or really sad. Uh, I'm also not in the mood for like a super like meta horror comedy. Like I just couldn't figure it out. And then it came to me. And about halfway through this movie, I go, Jeremy, this is what I'm going to cover with Hannah for 28 Days Later. And so 
Ladies and gentlemen, today for our short episode, Hannah and I will be talking about a childhood favorite of ours, The Ghost and Mr. Chicken from 1966, starring Don Knotts. Um, Hannah, I'm going to give a brief synopsis, and then I want to hear sort of your experience with the movie and how you felt about it um, as a kid. So the basic plot synopsis of this movie, Don Knotts plays a guy named Luther Heggs. He is a typesetter at a small town newspaper in Kansas in 1966. And he really wants to get his start as a journalist. He wants his own byline. He really, really, really wants to be writing the news, not just printing it. Um, But the staff at the newspaper is pretty small. It's his boss. And then this kind of like hotshot, handsome dude that's very cruel to Luther. Um, And neither of them really give him the time of day. And then one day, another guy that works in the typesetting room uh, whose name is Kelsey, just says, you know, Luther, there's that old uh, Simmons house in town that's haunted. And the anniversary of the murder is coming up. So maybe if you go stay there overnight on the anniversary and write an article about it, we can sneak it into the paper. And so that's what they do. And the article's a huge hit. Um, oh, I'm sorry. They, he doesn't say at the house yet. He just writes a little blurb about the house. That's such a big hit. They decide to have him stay there overnight. Um and hilarity ensues. You get Don Knotts doing all his best um, physicality, just like really goofy slapstick, great facial expressions, um, being a big wuss. So, uh, Hannah, tell me about your experience with this movie prior to now and uh, sort of how you feel about it. Um, well, I love this movie as well from our childhood. Um, I actually own it on DVD, so that was it was easy for me to watch it. Um, and it's, I have such fond memories of it, even though I remember it scaring me a little bit when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have really fond memories of it and it kind of reminds me a little bit of like a Scooby-Doo episode. Yes, definitely. Um, where they, like, sometimes they would be kind of scary, but at the end there was always an explanation that made it make sense to like, you know, help you sleep better after. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, part of my experience of watching this movie is I found out it's my boyfriend's one of his favorite movies. So we were gonna try to so awesome. <laughs> we were gonna try to watch it together, but um, it just like wasn't really working out. So I started the movie while he was um, doing something else, but he was in the room with me for just the first couple minutes. And when the first couple minutes started, um. I was like, is it just me or no, I'm not going to say that. And my boyfriend was like, is Don Knotts kind of (laughs) hot? And I was like, yes. And he was like, yeah, something about him. Maybe it's the charisma. Like he can get it. And I was like, Don Knotts can get it. (laughs) That is hilarious. So although we didn't get to watch the full movie together, we got to connect slash he sort of read my mind that I was Mm -hmm. literally thinking about how it's kind of weird that I'm attracted to Don Knotts at the same time as he was like, is that what you're thinking? Because I'm thinking it too. (laughs) I love that so much. Um, So I don't know if this is true for you, Hannah, but um, this movie is one that I feel like I watched a ton as a kid and especially in one I think there was one time period where I watched this movie over and over and over and over again. And 
I totally agree that it scared me too. Um, it's really cool because I always tell people that I'm a really wimpy horror fan. And I always tell folks that I came to horror really late. You know, I know a lot of people that watched like the classic slashers when they were in elementary school and high school. And I'm always like, ah, that wasn't really my journey. I came to horror really late. Um, and the more that I revisit these older movies that I watched in my childhood, I'm like, oh, wait, I did like scary stuff. I liked the feeling of being scared. I loved watching this movie, which did really freak me out. You know, I I go back sometimes and I watch stuff that I liked growing up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like the kernels of my horror fandom were there as a child, even though I wasn't watching mm-hmm. um, like the, the Holy Trinity of Freddy, Jason and Michael, like at a young age, there was still that spooky stuff. So, um, but I quote this movie a lot. Um, I, I say, and they used Bonami, like probably once or twice a month, um, about a lot of things. And I've tried to explain to my fiance, who's never seen it, the reference a million times. So I think he has like an idea of it, but it was really fun for me watching it, this movie this time, because I had not seen this since probably we were in maybe maybe when I was in early high school, but more likely middle school. Um, and he had never seen it. And he, oh, Hannah, he loved it. Jeremy <laughs> was busting a gut next to me, like could not stop laughing the whole time. It was sort of the best case scenario for revisiting a movie that you loved as a kid with someone. And like, I really wanted him to like it. And I got through the movie viewing being like, damn, did he like it more than me? Like, this guy is into it, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, I there was a, a couple moments. Like, there's a couple moments I always remember. Mm-hmm. Like, the piano playing itself. Yeah. And the bloody painting. Um, That's like, that. that is, to me, the scary like, image that always stuck in my brain was, yeah. like, the, the painting that had, like, the gardening shears in the neck and it's bleeding everywhere. Yeah. Um, but one thing I had forgotten that I ended up loving so much more and I was like, man, I wish that this, like, I wish I knew how to make gifts and things because the scene when Don Knotts is first in the mansion by himself and the piano starts playing itself. Mm-hmm. There's like the lights start flashing and there's a spotlight and the music is really kind of like, I don't know. Like I was like, I really want someone to take just that clip of Don Knotts and his like gangly body. Yep. Like the way he kind of like, f- like swung himself around the room. I was like, I just want that on a loop over and over and over and over again, set to different music. <laughs> Yes. Oh my gosh. Someone needs to make that happen for sure. There were just like so many little things from the movie like that, that I'm like, man, this movie is so fun because there's so many things that I feel like you could still, like you can still get a kick out of even now, like however many years later. I don't do math. (laughs) I mean, a hundred percent that's accurate. Um, I... I noticed watching it this time that during the very stressful scene where Luther is making his way through the the Simmons mansion the first time that he spends the night and he's using a flashlight 
first of all, the way this house is lit, it's an abandoned house, and he's there in the middle of the night, and he has a flashlight, so it should be dark, but this house is well lit as though it is the middle of the day and all the lights are on, and I didn't notice until watching it as an adult that... um the thing that they're using as his flashlight is just like a stage spotlight that they're moving around that sort of approximates what his uh, flashlight is doing. But once I noticed it, I could not stop staring at it and seeing like how dramatically different its trajectory is than what he's actually doing with the um, flashlight. And I was losing my mind watching it. It was making me laugh so hard. Yeah, I feel like that scene when he when he's when he was like flailing around and the spotlight was going all over the place that was like supposed to be his mm-hmm. flashlight, I guess. But sometimes it was like pointing at him. <laughs> yeah, the the lighting use was confusing. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. I also read um, in the IMDb trivia that the female lead um, got an at one point in one of the scenes where they were filming outside. They were using something to bounce the sunlight for the outdoor scenes, and they used it improperly and essentially burned, sunburned one of the eyes of the actress, and she had to be, like, rushed to the hospital because she lost vision for a period of time. Oh, my gosh. That's horrifying. (laughs) Holy cow. That is absolutely bonkers, Hannah. (laughs) Also, I have a question for you, Mm -hmm. because when I was watching... Often when I watch old movies or movies from when I was a kid or really anything and I'm like, you know, these people seem so old to me then. Mm-hmm. I wonder how old they actually are. Do you care? Did you look up how old anybody is? I did not. Okay. Do you care to wager a guess how old Don Knotts was in this movie? I'm going to guess... I mean, based on the way you're asking it, I feel like I need to guess lower than I think. So I'm going to guess, like, 36? 36 for Don Knotts. Not Uh too far off, but he was 42. Okay. Do you want to wager a guess how old his love interest was? Yeah, I, like, uh, this is why I guessed him low, is that I didn't want it to be as far apart as I feel like it's gonna be. Was she, like, 26? She was 26. Jeepers. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, as soon as it's happening that he's hitting on her, I'm like, uh, this feels like a scary age difference. But it's also one of those things where looking at her... I'm like, she could be 20, she could be 40. I have no idea. Like, the amount of, like, makeup and starched bra and everything sure. with women of that era, I'm like, I have no idea what age you're you're supposed to be. For sure, for sure. But no, she was definitely, but then, but then later on when they go on a date and her mom cooks them dinner. Yeah. Then you're like, oh, she's very young. <laughs> oh, she's still living at home. Yeah, um... But I I do give the movie some credit for, like, her being more of an aware and actual, like, fleshed out female character than a lot of movies at this time. And also in the IMDb trivia, it said that she had said um, that this movie was, like, really exciting for her because up until this point, she had basically only been playing, like, um, like, 
sort of like loose women in in westerns and oh, interesting like damsels in distress so she really like appreciated this movie giving her the opportunity to like actually be like a real person yeah um also i read that she was in playboy um a year before this movie came out and so that made her casting very controversial Oh, interesting. Because they weren't sure if it was going to, like, if if her being in the movie would make it less of, like, a family film. Right, right. Wow. Well, it's also interesting because you talk about the concern that that might make the movie less marketable. And honestly, with, uh, with, with sexism being the way it is, like, I wouldn't be surprised if they were also worried that, like, people wouldn't believe her as her character. If they're like, oh, well, we're used to seeing her play this other thing and she was in Playboy and no one, I mean, I think her performance is great and she's a, she's a really delightful character, although that age difference is quite troubling for sure. Like when they seem like they have great chemistry, it just seems very, the love story feels very forced. Um, absolutely. I mean, even when they're like, there's like one part where he's like basically trying to say like you're so pretty no one would believe you'd ever like a guy like me and she's like are you trying to say that you like me because i like you too yeah it's uh it's it's the one part of the movie that for me like really doesn't work yeah it's also Uh, like you don't really need it either but yeah it's completely superfluous um like we don't it's it's especially weird to have it be a movie that is, like, such a journey for him and they felt like we really needed to have his journey include a love story for some reason. Like, he gets the career of his dreams. Why couldn't that be it enough? <laughs> That's true. Um, But I want to talk about the Because, Sophie, older- career is worth nothing if you're not married. I mean, right? <laughs> but actually, I do want to talk about the uh the older ladies in this movie so we have the two older ladies that live at the boarding house uh who have my repeated favorite line of and they used bonami but we also have the group of like psychic aficionados that i had completely forgotten about and we need to talk about it in my notes i wrote of course all the white women in town love true crime (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you say all the white women in town, but we don't see a single person that's not white in this whole movie, correct? That's tr- correct, yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love the idea that you get this group of, like, uh, white, wealthy housewives that are just sort of, like, sitting at home, and so their their thing that they're super obsessed with is the paranormal, and they're, they take it very seriously. Um, but... I like that that gets contrasted with the fact that the woman who runs this organization, like her husband um, runs the bank, but she owns more of the shares in the bank. So she just like bosses him around. I love that too. I was like, I was like, wow, based off of just like the general sexism of this era and of, of the movie itself, like I'm shocked that this guy's wife owns not just half the business, but more than half. <laughs> Yeah, and so she has to listen to him, which I, or he has to listen to her, which I really liked. (laughs) Um, I know we don't want to run super long because it's a mini episode. I wanted to know if you had a favorite gag or a favorite bit in the movie. This, I mean, this movie has a lot of repeating jokes. It has a lot of really great physical comedy, obviously. Um, did you have a favorite? Um, that's a hard one. Maybe, 
Well, I think mine is just the way that Don Knotts. I can't even think of a word, like, to describe it. Like, our our brother, as you know, Sophie, our brother had a nickname for me when I went through my first, like, initial growth spurt in high school where I got really gangly. And our brother would call me Paschetti because the way that my body moved was, like, a bunch of limp spaghetti. And, like, that to me was is, – is if there's a word for Don Knotts flailing around the room – when the organ starts playing itself, like he's like yeah. Paschetti on roller skates. So I think oh, that might be my so favorite. Perfect. Cause I'd also forgotten about that, how good that moment was. Cause it also goes on for like just a second too long. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. It also, is it, is this a thing that you said or that Ryan used to say to you? Someone used to say, go, go gadget gangles. I think that was Ryan saying that to me also. Cause that also feels, like I was real very, I was very lanky, and our brother had many a name for my gangliness. He also would call me sometimes a giraffe on roller skates. Um, sometimes he'd follow me around and move his arms around, like, just those, um, those, you know, those inflatable guys that they have at car dealerships. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that kind of vibe. That kind of vibe. Um... Yeah, my favorite bit, which honestly, like, I don't know if it would have stood out to me as much if it didn't just, like, absolutely break Jeremy every time it happened, is the crowd repeatedly yelling out, like, attaboy! This, like, voiceless man in the crowd yelling, attaboy, Luther! Attaboy, chief! To everyone, every time there's a crowd of people. So then I I read that um, after this movie came out, that inspired... A, uh, a short-lived trend, like, this was, like, early days of going viral. Basically, when this movie came out, people started doing that at public speeches. No kidding. Yeah, and that, um, the, the Fairley brothers, who did, like, uh, who did, like, Black Sheep and Tommy Boy, Dumb and mm-hmm. Dumber, that they also then, as an homage to this movie, use that, that joke in a lot of their movies. Yeah, that's really funny. It also made me wonder if that bit in, um, is it in Billy Madison or Happy Gilmore where, uh, Rob Schneider's like, you can do it from the crowd. Oh, yeah. Same vibe. Same vibe. That's very true. And kind of a lot of the same people working on, on those movies. So that's very possible. Yeah. Um, also, I just thought you'd appreciate that last night. So we watched this movie, um, almost a week ago now. So last night. Uh, I forget why, but Jeremy, when he impersonates me, he talks like, like a old Southern gentleman. Um, I don't really know why he does that. Cause I personally don't think that's what my voice sounds like, but that is what Jeremy hears when I talk. So <laughs> he was imitating my voice last night, uh, and making fun of something I said. And he goes, Oh my gosh, I just figured out that like, you always wonder why, I talk about you like you're, or I imitate you like you're an old Southern gentleman, but it's because you're Don Knotts. Like I've just been doing the Don Knotts impression without knowing it. And I was like, Don Knotts isn't Southern. And he goes, look up where he's from. And I immediately Googled it and he's from West Virginia. Okay. Yep. Quite Southern. Then I ran around the apartment singing country road, take me home. You know Um, what? You should be very honored because as my boyfriend and I agreed, Don Knotts can get it. 
<laughs> I mean, also, I'm just gonna, like, Hannah already knows this because she's the one that tells me, but in case strangers want to know, or mostly because I want strangers to know, Hannah apparently has more than one uh, person in her life who thinks I remind them of Nikki Glazer. So being compared to Nikki Glazer and Don Knotts in one week is frankly overwhelming in the best possible way. <laughs> so honestly, I just want to say thank you to the Academy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Hannah, do you have anything else to throw in about the ghost of Mr. Chicken before we, uh, panic and run out of here like, like, uh, Luther would? Um, I'm trying to think if I found anything else that I, that I read that I was like, oh, I gotta mention that. Um, no, I mean, I just, it was, it's a treat. This movie is always a treat. It's one of those movies where it's so brightly colored, like it feels a bit like a, like a, you're eating some sherbet, sherbet. Mm-hmm. Um, I even noticed, too, like, the three, there's sort of, like, this Greek chorus of three women who live at the boarding house where Luther lives, and they they were always dressed in the same three colors throughout the movie, and I thought that was really funny. Nice catch. That's awesome. I love, I love, like, those, I love that aspect of that era of film, just, like, the technicolor and how colorful everything is. Um, so to me, it's always a treat to kind of revisit that. Um, I remember writing down, I have to grab my notebook, because I had already put it away like an idiot. Um, there was one quote that I was like, okay, I'm sure this isn't a thing when this movie came out, but, um, at one point, Luther is talking to somebody about, um, like, where he got his bravery from. And the joke is supposed to be like, he's not brave at all. But he says, my mother had all kinds of spunk. <laughs> That's where I get it from. Yep, 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 yep. And I laughed so hard. I was like, okay, they definitely didn't mean it like that, right? Right. Right? Right? No, they definitely didn't mean it like that. They definitely didn't. But it also made me cackle inappropriately. <laughs> my mother had all kinds of spunk. That's where I get it from. So funny. You know- it also, I can't believe, thank you for saying that, because it reminded me of one of the other lines that made me laugh really hard, which is when Luther calls himself, he goes, well, that's me, Mr. Boob, B-double-O-B, Boob. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which I also thought was so funny. Like, at one point, someone mentions someone's bosom, and they can't even say the full word. They're like, the horror. But then later, he's like, I'm a total boob. <laughs> he's a boob full of spunk. A boob full of spunk. Love that for Don Knotts. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, all that was really funny. I I feel like, oh, and then I also just love the bit about um, him having to stand up and eat soup. Because <laughs> that would be so hard. <laughs> just standing and eating soup. For the longest period of time. In a crowded restaurant. And yeah, where people are, like, walking behind him, bumping into him, like, amazing. I just, yeah, that, so much of this movie is so funny. And again, it, it says everything about the comedic prowess of Don Knotts that, like, all of these bits are so funny. Because the idea itself is funny, but just watching Don Knotts as Luther be in each of those uh, 
interactions is so funny because he is just, he has an incredibly expressive face and a real gangly body. And it's yes. just good. It's just really good all the way around. <laughs> it is. It's a, like I say, it's just a real treat. Well, speaking of treats, I want to let people know that we do have two more episodes left in October. We'll have one more mini episode the very last week in October, but next Friday we will be releasing a full-length episode and our good friend Reed will be coming back to talk about Halloween Kills. So you definitely want to make sure that you don't miss that one. Um, I mean, don't miss any of them because we're fucking delightful uh but i just wanted folks to know that if you don't if you don't fuck with mini episodes the way that hannah's uh stoner acquaintance fucks with clouds definitely come back for the halloween kills episode um and hannah do you have anything you want to say to the fine listeners as we send them on their merry way yes i would like to say always pee after sex and add a boy sophie Anatomy of a Scream, Pod Squad.